It's February 25th, 2022, and on today's Mikey Talks, I talk about finally doing the thing. Welcome to episode 323 of Mikey Talks. It's Friday, which means we're home free unless you work tonight, Uh, but the rest of us have made it to the weekend, so we're home free. Before we get started, I have things I want to talk about, but I want to say thank you to my Patreon patrons. They make my weekly music and these podcasts happen, and you can do that too for as little as a dollar a month. You can have access to new Mikey music every week as part of New Music Monday. That's, That's as little as $12 a year for 52 songs. Well, more than 52 songs a year. If you want to join my patrons, you can do that at patreon.com slash Mikey Mason. And if you choose to get billed annually instead of monthly, you can choose to get a 15% discount if that interests you at all. Upcoming shows, MarsCon, March 18th to 20th. And uh, I hope I'll see you there if you can make it and are comfortable making it. And otherwise, I'm picking up dates for other conventions later in the year. And I'll let you know more about those as they get closer. Uh, I'm looking at, I will be at Fear the Con in Brentwood, Missouri, Phoenix Con in Appleton, Wisconsin, Gin Con in Indianapolis, and I've applied to Dragon Con again. So my next online show will be an as yet to be determined Friday in March at 8 p.m. Eastern. Like most of my shows, uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash comedy rock geek. The last show uh, was about the release of Wittershins, my new album, Wittershins. You can find it online at all the places that you can get albums uh, streaming and you can buy the physical copy of the CD. There's a link on my Bandcamp site, uh, mikeymason.bandcamp.com. You can go there, click on the buy on compact disc and buy the physical disc if you really want to. All right. Some things I want to talk about today, but, but first I... There's a meme going around. Big surprise. (laughs) There's always a meme going around, right? But this is the one, and you've seen it. It's black and white. It says, hey, millennials and Zoomers who are dealing with your first bout of World War III panic, find yourself a Gen X friend to see you through it. We spent the entirety of our childhoods prepping for nuclear war alone while eating Pop-Tarts cold from the foil. We got you. All right. Now, this appears to be setting off, I don't want to use the word triggering lightly, it appears to be pissing off a lot of uh, millennials and Gen Zers and and Xers and, or sorry, Yers and and whatever, uh, who think it's some sort of a pissing contest, like we don't think 9-11 happened or that school shootings happened. We know you've seen horrible things. That's, That's not the thing. And honestly, maybe this, you know, Maybe this is condescending in nature. I'm going to grant it that it might be a little condescending in nature. But I do want to say that us Gen Xers, we did spend the entirety of our childhoods prepping for nuclear war alone. We were taught that this is, you know, it's going to hit. And, you know, you know, my wife grew up 15 miles from a munitions factory that made uh, a factory that made um, uh <laughs> parts for weapons, okay? Ignition mechanisms for weapons, all right? She was 15 minutes from it. And we realized what primary and secondary targets were. And that's, you know, the primary targets, those are going to be hit, hit first with nukes and we would die. And we knew that we were going to die if we were in the radius. It was just 
it, that, I mean, like, it wasn't like, you know, your mall might be attacked. It was like, you're going to die if you're in there. There's the, when special news reports popped up on TV and these, you know, my wife and I talked about this, Jody and I talked about this. Uh, and, and she said, you know, <laughs> she was babysitting as a 12 year old, uh, alone with grade school kids. And she wondered if this was it and, and waited for Dan rather to let her know, you know, uh, she was Babysitting during the Libya situation, the Muammar Gaddafi situation. We didn't want, she says, we didn't want our kids or younger peers to know this, but it's it's happened. And so we aren't saying whatever. We're saying this is hard and we see you. All right. We understand. We don't, we didn't, we weren't in school when the Twin Towers fell. No, we were at work or some, sometimes we were on our days off. Uh, some of us were on our day off that day, but we were, most of us were at work when it happened. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we didn't have to do school shooter drills in school. We're not saying that your trauma is less than our trauma. We're saying we had different childhood traumas. It's not a pissing contest. All right. Our particular childhood trauma included, <laughs> Uh, the threat of genuine global nuclear war and fantasies of it. Role-playing games were made of it. Movies were made out of it. Um, you know, it was it was just part of our zeitgeist, if you will, was part of our experience. We expected nuclear war, global thermonuclear war, to quote war games, to happen during our lifetime. We expected it was going to happen, and we knew whether we were in a primary or secondary target area or whether we might just be in a fallout area. We knew. We knew that if the if you live close enough to Chicago or close enough to a munitions munitions factory or a large enough city or or something that has to deal with military or transport importance uh, for the United States, you're going first. We knew it. We knew it. We knew we knew if we were going to just die immediately when the bombs dropped, and that's not something that you had to deal with. And you've had other difficult things to deal with. Terrorist attacks are, are a different thing than nuclear war. And I'm not saying they're lesser. I'm just saying they're different. They are simply different. It isn't a pissing contest. We don't have to, we don't have to hash it out. I am saying I'm here. This sucks. I'm sorry you're seeing it. I'm sorry you're going to live through the dread. And if you want, and we were alone when it says we spent the entirety of our childhoods prepping for nuclear war alone, eating Pop-Tarts cold from the foil. We latchkey kids, you may not know what latchkey kids are, but we know what latchkey kids are because it was us. <laughs> we were, we were at home. We would come home from school and we'd have our key to our door and we'd unlock our door and we would take care of ourselves and get our stuff until our parents came home from work. Both parents were gone. And <laughs> we were the generation where latchkey kids were a concern. That was our special little trauma thing. And, and it does, it's, it, you know, it's not better. It's not worse. It's not harsher. It's not, it's just, that was that was the the specialization of our childhood social trauma, okay? <laughs> um, and it doesn't make it better or worse than anyone else's. It's It really isn't a pissing contest where we don't need to measure our traumas against each other. What we should do is console each other in our traumas. And, and if you need help getting through this, find somebody who's been through this. And then if we need help getting through something, we should find somebody who's been through something or who is specialized in training to help you get through something. That's all. That's all. I'm here for you. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer who's here for you. 
despite the fact that you constantly say, okay, boomer, when you look at me, because, because uh, <laughs> I'm old, <laughs> I'm still here for you. I still love you. I still don't think my trauma is any, any worse than yours. We're, we're all traumatized in our own ways. Okay. I, um, I was dealing with some stuff, uh, some personal, some personal fallout lately. I've been, I've been dealing with some personal fallout lately and, um, it's, you know, you start facing your own mortality. You start, uh, you start worrying about, uh, you know, what's coming next. <laughs> um, and you start thinking about what you have done and haven't done that you want to do. Right. And, you know, I've had friends who have been dying, you know, and, and, and I'm not I'm not going to go all modeling on it. But, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do with my life is write a novel. And I have a degree in creative writing when my, I, I I graduated the first year a creative writing degree was available as a major at Ball State University. So. I, you know, they didn't have like a novel writing major. I was pre-professional English with an emphasis on creative writing. And so I had short stories and script writing and uh, poetry classes. And that was about it as far as, but I, I had, I did a lot of them. I did all of them that I could and I enjoyed them and I, I got great value for it. I met wonderful people, excellent teachers. I've used the 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 tenets that I used and the experiences all the way through my professional career, whether it was as a stand-up comedian or whatever it is I am now. And I know I know from experience that I can write a book because I've written a book. The the first draft is submitted, it's at the publisher, I'm awaiting feedback. The draft was due in June of this year, and I got it turned in in December of last year. And so I'm awaiting feedback so I can do any revisions uh, or additions or subtractions that they want um, and move on from there. So I know I can write a book, but every time I've sat down with writing a novel in mind, I've always kind of just sputtered out and I've stalled and and I've – you know, I, I just kind of, I, I never prepped myself for that long haul writing session. And part of it is when I, when I talk about dangerous gifts in, in about the album title and how Dr. Thornburg told me that what I had were dangerous gifts and, and my understanding of what he meant now, what I believe he meant was that I was reliant upon inspiration and that I did, that I lacked discipline. And, and I know now in my heart, it is my personal philosophy, and you may disagree with me, and you may know in your heart different. Again, not a measuring contest, but I believe that discipline trumps inspiration nine times out of ten. Now, inspiration is fantastic and may lead to that one time out of ten, something that is more incredible than you can get with discipline. But life isn't just 10% of things. Life is 90% of things. And so nine times out of 10, 90% of the time in your life, discipline's going to trump that inspiration. Discipline's what's going to be there to get things done. And having written on a schedule for so long now, I really – and having the, the feeling of having all of those words under my belt – 
in a, in a, in a creative work, even though it's, you know, what, what the book that is that the publisher is, is not a, it's not fiction, but knowing that I can do it, that I can put out the volume of verbiage that they require, knowing that I'm creative and I can do, and having published a short story and having published poetry and having published many, many albums, I figured it's time. And earlier this week, I came across uh, a, you know, because I've been looking for for books on how to plot your first novel or how to blah 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 because I just want something to to help me focus and I found one and I'm not I'm not going to tell you what it is because whatever it is it doesn't matter you have to do what works for you right and honestly I don't know that it's going to work for me but I know that I'm here's the deal I'm going to make it work for me whether it works for me or not I'm going to take it and and work and what what I what I got from it is that this is a structure that works for many many novels and. Uh, there's stuff that I can see that I'm gonna beat around the bush and, and try something different. But I, I finally today, this morning, finished plotting the entirety of my first fictional novel. And 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 I wrote earlier. Sometimes you need to humble yourself and look for help in places you might not normally have considered. Ruts don't just break themselves, and they don't. And I did not. I didn't have the education for plotting a novel, and I don't have the time usually when I'm at a convention to sit in on the creative writing track and to attend those, although I do plan on figuring out how to make those writing panels part of my future. And those of you those of you authors and publishers and agents who are on those panels are a godsend to those of us who want the information and thank you for doing it. So what I'm doing, what I'm going to do, what I've, what I'm writing a novel, a novel that I've been plotting since mm, the early to mid 2000s that I've had the idea for, for the early, and it's done. I've plotted it. Now I'm dying and I've reorganized it and I shifted the main character because I realized thanks to this one book that the main character that I was using wasn't the strong, wasn't the protagonist, wasn't the strongest protagonist choice for certain reasons. And sometimes you just have to listen to somebody that you, you know, I felt kind of Weird. I'm like, oh, you know, one of those lame old, you know, you're going to write a novel sites. And I felt like, I don't know, I don't want to be cheesy formula cookie cutter. But my friend George, who has written books, um, <laughs> you know, said, you know, it, it doesn't have to, you're not writing the great American novel. You're writing a novel and it may not be may not be received the way you want. And it doesn't matter. You're putting work out there and maybe it won't even get published Chances are it won't, but it gives you the experience of writing the novel, of plotting the novel. Um, you know, I am not a pantser. There are there are types of novel. There are novelists who who plot and structure, and then there are novelers novelists who are pantsers. They fly by the seat of their pants, and I am not a pantser. Um, although I've already experienced some seat of the pants stuff in the plotting, I was like, all right, now I'm off course from where I thought it was. But that's going to happen while I'm writing too. So maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. But I want that structure, that that skeleton there so I can say these are the bare bones. Do I have this? Do I have this? Do I have this? Do I have this? Am I keeping the momentum in the story? 
Do I have it structurally sound? Does this work um, from a very basic plot perspective? And as long as I know that it works from a plot perspective, I feel more confident moving forward, and that's going to work for me. I'm going to make it work for me. So what I'm saying is whatever the thing is, whatever the person you need to talk to, whatever the, the book is you need to buy, buy it. Buy into it. Whatever. Believe in yourself. Build the discipline. Do the thing. That's all that's going to – if you wait for the inspiration, if you wait for lightning to strike, maybe it does strike. Let's just say maybe you're hit with the inspiration for the best novel ever written, right? Just something that is so strikingly fresh and such a great twist on expectations and conventions and traditions. If you don't have the discipline to sit there and write and get it all out on paper and then the discipline to sit there and revise and the wisdom to let your editors tell you what needs to be changed and 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 the wisdom to know whether they're right or wrong sometimes sometimes you have to stand your ground and stick to your guns and sometimes you don't sometimes you need to swallow your pride and when you're dealing with your first published novel you you might consider the option that you need to swallow you really need to swallow that pride that at least that first time i don't I don't know. Your situation is going to be different. But find what works for you. Build the discipline so that when the lightning does strike, you're in the best position possible to make the most out of it that you can. There is no way I should have waited 49 years to start writing this novel. And maybe you could make the argument that it's, well, it's been in gestation since 2000, mid-2000s. Okay, well, maybe it has been in gestation. There's no way that I should have taken this long to start seriously writing this novel. I think the idea is that good. It's Do I think it's going to be a great world-changing novel? No, I don't. Is it going to define a genre? No, it's not. Do I think it's going to be a good solid book that you haven't quite seen before? Yes. Do I think it's going to be a fresh take on on the 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 genre I'm tackling? I I really do think it's going to be at least an interesting and relatively fresh take on the genre. But you know what? More than anything, it's going to be proof to me that I can do it. That I can do the work. And the next novel probably won't be as hard. I'm not saying it won't be hard, but it probably won't be as hard knowing that I am in the position to finish it. This one won't be as hard as it was. It didn't doesn't seem as hard to me as it was or or as as monumentally epic a task as it was before I had put down 65,000 words towards a book for a publisher. But I've done that. I hit that milestone. I achieved that. I know that I can make that happen. I know the discipline required. And so that's what I'm doing. All right. That's what I have for you today. I will be back Monday with new music for New Music Monday unless I post something more for February Album Writing Month before then. But I'm in a weird position where I have conflicting pro- uh, you know, projects. I, uh, I, I, I'm working on this novel now, and so maybe February Album Writing Month is going to have to take a back seat. That's fine. But I will be back Monday with New Music Monday because that's not taking a back seat. So until then, be good to each other and be good to yourselves, and I'll talk with you next time. 
It takes time to make your visions and the lines align to match without two within. It takes heart to take the shapes of things you love apart. Make them lines on a page 